such a powerful story. Uh, every time when uh, you watch it or when you read it in the Bible, this uh, this passage was from uh, Matthew chapter 27, and we'll be referring to it uh, from time to time during this message. But um, welcome to uh, this Good Friday service here at Thousand Hills. And um, you know, when you look at um, those those images from this uh, this video, you see that the king died. You see here that uh, the Roman soldiers that he that they um, mocked him and said, Hail, king of, king of the Jews. And even uh, over his head, they put the charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. They did this all mockingly, but while they were mocking him, that it actually revealed his true identity. And at that moment, Jesus was still only the king of the Jews, but there will be one day after the Spirit, Holy Spirit will be poured out on the day of Pentecost that Jesus will become the king of the nations. This is so important for us to realize that Jesus is not only the Son of God and the King of the Jews, he's the King of the whole world. And when he died, the centurion and the others with him saw, they, they felt the earthquake, and, and now they acknowledged, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, as I read this, is actually today, I, um, I saw, I noticed his word was, the past tense. It's like they realized that he, he was the son of God, but they didn't, what they didn't know, what they didn't realize was that Jesus would rise from the dead on the third day at Easter. And that he not only was the king of the Jews, and he was, it, it wasn't only that he was the son of God, but he is the son of God. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of the whole world. But it's important for us on Good Friday not to rush into Easter, but to really think about everything that Jesus had done for us when he died there on that cross, to really drink it in and to really let it come alive, let the story come alive to us. The Son of God died there on that hill of Golgotha. The king was defeated. At least that's what it seemed like on that Good Friday, on that Passover Friday. I know how much you maybe researched about Jesus' death, but crucifixion was one of the most brutal forms of capital punishment in, in Jesus' day in the Roman Empire. In fact, the Romans would never punish a, um, a Roman citizen with that capital punishment, with, with that particular punishment, with the, with the cross, because it was too brutal. And a guilty person in crucifixion was fastened to a cross it was two intersecting beams of, of wood, and nails were driven through the hands and feet. Imagine the pain that Jesus must have suffered as he was nailed to the cross and, and as he hung there for hours and hours. Because the person who was crucified was often left hanging there for hours, and he would suffer and even suffocate to, uh, at, at the last moment before the person would die. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that's a, a question, a, a very probing question uh, that, that we need to wrestle with. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He hung there with the sin of the world, with your sin and my sin. You know, Jesus was was the son of God. He is the son of God. And he always, every moment of his life, he lived in the presence of God. He lived in, 
in God's nearness. But now because of that load of sin on him, on his shoulders, he couldn't be near to God anymore at that moment. He felt like the presence of God had lifted from him. God was far from him at that moment. I think we've, we've all had moments in our lives where we felt like God was far away from us. You know, where as we were, pray, as we felt like, uh, as we were praying, that we felt like our prayers couldn't go further than, than the ceiling. It feels like God is a million miles away from us. And that's how Jesus must have felt, but even way worse than, than we would feel in those moments where we feel God is not with us. Of course, God is always with us, and God was still with Jesus, but, you know, that, that huge load of sin on his shoulders just really got him at that moment. He was as something that was unclean. He was separated from God. He was unfit to be in the Father's holy presence because of the weight of our sin. That was the first time in his life and the only time in his life when he experienced separation from God. Those last words that Jesus spoke, that he, he called out on that cross, they're the first words from a psalm, Psalm 22. And if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to look it up or maybe on your, on your app. But it was a psalm that was written by King David. And King David prophetically describes the pain and the suffering that the Messiah would have to go through when he hung on that cross. And the psalm says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry, cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. And in verse 6, I, but I'm a man, but I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. Trust you at, your, at my mother's breast. Oh, you was, on you I, I was cast from my birth and my, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Then here, verse 12. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water and all my bones, bone, bones are out of joints. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And, my, and for my clothing, they cast lots. What a vivid description this is in Psalm 22. Hundreds of years before Jesus died on that cross. What a vivid description of that Passover Friday before sundown. Thankfully, the psalm ends on a more positive note because at the end of the psalm, it says that God will eventually deliver the Messiah and kingship belongs to him and he will rule over the nations. We know that Jesus' death was not the end of the story. His apparent loss on Good Friday became an unexpected victory. But like I said, well, let's, let's postpone that message till Easter. Let's 
just really let this message sink in of Good Friday. Jesus knew all along that he would have to suffer and die for God's plan to come into motion, the salvation of mankind and the inauguration of, the, of, the, of God's kingdom and a perfect world, a, a global Eden. But he had to keep that plan secret so that he could bait the devil into killing him because that was the only way how God could ever redeem the whole world by seeing his own son, Jesus, being crucified on that cross. Verse 12 and 13 are powerful verses if you understand what the psalm, psalmist says. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a rav ravening and roaring lion. If you know a little bit about the geography of, of Israel, of the promised land of, of Judea, as it was called in Jesus' day, you know that this is in the north part of the country. This is the same place where uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus is, and, and, and he's on, on this, this hill, and it's called the Gates of Hades. And, and he says that, on the, upon this rock I will build my church. That's what, he, that's what he says to Peter and the rest of the disciples. It's the same place where Mount Hermon is, the, the epicenter of false religion and demonic activity in the nation. It was all there. And Jesus had to bait the devil into killing him. He had to basically make sure that the devil was, was ready to chase him and kill him so that the plan that God had for, for the world would be fulfilled. Those gates of Hades where in, in Matthew 16, that's the place where, where Jesus said he would build his church, his ecclesia, and the word ecclesia means government. Jesus wanted to build his government right on top of the government of Satan. He would crush Satan's rule over the world, right in the devil's own home turf. Bashan is the region where, where Jesus started out his journey to Jerusalem, the city where he had to be crucified. And he had to make sure that he would push all the red buttons of Satan because Jesus knows how to pick a fight. The bulls of Bashan, they, you know, when I th think of cows, I'm immediately have to go to those advertisements from Milka, the purple cows on top of the alpine, you know, meadows. But those, those cows here, these bulls here, they were totally different. There was something totally different about those because those were like vicious, demonic monsters almost. And they surrounded, you know, the psalm says they, that they surrounded Jesus. He was standing on top of the gate of, gates of Hades and on top of that Mount Hermon where most likely he was transfigured, where, where, where Elijah and Moses were, uh, were appearing as well, on, say, on top of the same mountain. And they were ready to attack him. And then Jesus gets to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which is last Sunday, and he's welcomed in as a king. You know, the thing that I didn't know about Palm Sunday is that Palm Sunday is actually Lamb Selection Sunday. This was the day when the, the Israelites or the Jews, where they selected the right lamb to be slaughtered on, on, on Passover Friday. So Jesus came in as the king to the city of Jerusalem, but basically at the same moment, it was like God said, hey, forget all those lambs that you're going to slaughter next week. Here's the true lamb of God. 
Jesus, my own son. Jesus came into the, sun, uh, into the city on Lamb, Lamb selection, selection Sunday. And the people, they all say, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So he's welcomed in as the son of David, the Davidic king. The one who was supposed to rule over the nation Israel and kick out the Roman oppressor. That was his role as the Messiah. That's how the Jews in those days saw the Messiah. And the first thing that Jesus does is he goes to the temple, to the place where God dwells. And he cleanses the temple. He kicks out all the money chains. He kicks out all the people who were uh, basically had this false business where, where they would uh, sell lambs and because uh, the religious authorities would say that the lambs that the people had brought themselves weren't good enough. So he said, hey, let me, let me sell you my lambs. Let me sell you my lamb for the sacrifice. This coming Friday. He cleansed the temple. And as he did that, he not only had pushed the, bu the buttons of, of Satan, he also pushed the buttons of the religious authorities in the city of Jerusalem. And the night before his crucifixion, Jesus celebrates the Passover meal, the meal where the Jews would think about how they were taken out of Egypt and how God delivered them by 10 plagues and led them through the Red Sea into the desert. And then 40 years later, they would get to the promised land. He celebrated that event in the history of Israel by celebrating this Passover meal. And he, he basically rebranded this as the Last Supper. Because there was no lamb that they had to slaughter because Jesus was the lamb of God. But they did eat bread and they did eat wine. And they did drink wine. The bread symbolized his body that was broken for us. And the wine or the grape juice as we celebrated in communion is Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And Jesus was the lamb. The perfect lamb. The ultimate sacrifice for our sins when he died on that cross. The next day, on Friday, Good Friday, Jesus is nailed to the cross. And Psalm 22, verse 16, prophetically describes it this way. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. It's interesting to see how this psalm speaks about bulls and lions, and, and now it speaks about dogs. Dogs who pierce his hands and feet feet and dogs who stare and gloat over him and dogs who divide his garments among them. It's such an accurate description of what happened to Jesus on Good Friday. What we saw in a little video clip. But who are this, these dogs? Well, in those days, the word dogs was always used for Gentiles, for non-Jews. And in this case, the Romans who crucified Jesus. Because they were used by Satan to kill him and to put God's plan in motion. I had to think about the fact that basically everybody's responsible for the death of Jesus on the cross. You know, it's sometimes so easy for us to think that if we would have been there 2,000 years ago, that I wouldn't have had any part in the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, it was both the Jews and the Gentiles who were responsible for his killing. The Jews set it up because they were, you know, because Satan basically set them up to do it. And then 
they used the Gentiles to do it. They were not without blame either. All of them were guilty. All of us are guilty as a result of that. Because of our sins, we're guilty of the death of Jesus on that cross. And Jesus hung there until he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And soon after that, he breathed his last breath. You know what? It happened just right after the ninth hour. The ninth hour in our, on our watch is the, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You may wonder why that time. But the ninth hour or three o'clock in the afternoon was actually the time of prayer for the Jews in those days. They would go to the temple for the evening sacrifice. And this was the usual time during the Passover season when they would, would sacrifice the Passover lamb. And because Jesus was the Passover lamb, the sacrifice to handle sacrifices, that's why he died exactly at that moment, at three o'clock. John the Baptist said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said it right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came into the city on Lamb Selection Sunday. It was God saying to the Israelites, saying to the Jews, Hey, here's the true Lamb the Lamb who truly will take away the sin of the world, not just for another year, but for, for now on forevermore. That's why Jesus came. The King died on that cross. The Son of God died on the cross. God Himself in the person of Jesus died on that cross. And tonight as we, as we have communion together, as we take part of this sacrament, we think about that. We let it speak to our hearts like, like never before. Don't rush into Easter, into celebrating the resurrection until you've really experienced and grabbed a hold of the, the meaning of Good Friday. Because Jesus died for your sin. He died for my sin. And yes, he rose again on the third day. But he died on that cross. His, his body was broken so that we can be made whole, spiritually whole, but also physically whole. His blood was shed for the remission of our sins. His blood was shed to inaugurate a new covenant that we can now have a relationship with the Lord based on what Jesus has done for us, based on the rest that he gives us. We don't no longer have to work our own good works to be accepted by God. We know that Jesus said it is finished. He took care of everything for you and for me and we can accept that grace. We can accept his love and revel in it, enjoy it. Know that he truly, truly, truly loves you. And let his love transform you from the inside out because, because of that love, you will be able to make a difference in the world around you. But you no longer 
rush to work and to do all good things just to be accepted by God. No, you're, you know you're accepted because of what he has done for you. It is finished, he said, as he died there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your son, the Messiah. We thank you, Lord, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's God himself, not just the Son of God. He is God himself. We thank you, Lord, that we could see our own lives changed because of what you have done 2,000 years ago, Jesus. God, we pray, Lord, right now that our lives will be changed because of his sacrifice. And God, May we never live a day of our lives not thinking back of the amazing things that Jesus has done for us. But may we always stand in awe and wonder and thankfulness for all that he has done for me, for us. And Lord, as we take this next, next song to search our own hearts and to see if there's any, anything between us and others, and between us and you. God, just reveal to us, God. We want to be whole people. We want to be a church that's whole and united because of the body of Jesus that was broken so that we can be whole together. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.